uh, we're going to spread out from there as we go through uh, this uh, message tonight. We're going to begin a series on the humanity of Jesus Christ. Um, and before we do, let's ask the Lord for his blessing. As we think about the doctrine of Christ, it is important that we understand what he did, his work upon the cross, the work of Christ, and even the present ongoing work of Christ. It's important for us to know that, but it's also important for us to know who he is. And so when we ever talk about um, Christology, we must talk about those two things. Who is he and what does he do or what has he done? And so we talk about the person and the work of Christ. And these really are intertwined, aren't they? Who is this one that is able to deliver us and to save us, to do everything that we need as fallen sons of Adam? Who is this person? And so we have been uh, talking about that in the book of First John. Um, and Jesus is concerned about that. He asks his own disciples, who do men say that I am? Um, so he's concerned about his disciples, that they understand that they know who he is. And of course, then he turns around and he says to them, who do you say that I am? Who do you understand me to be? And so Jesus is, is concerned about that very important question as well. Um, and so as believers, I think many of us, we spend a lot of time defending the deity of Christ that this one, Jesus Christ, is God in the flesh. And rightly so. Uh, we, we hopefully have a, a strong view of the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was the, the one born to Mary, was the pre-existent Christ who existed from all eternity. He was the word that was at the very beginning, before the world ever began. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word was made flesh. And so he was preexistent. He is the eternal son of the father. Uh, he was made flesh. He was born of a virgin. And uh, John, in his gospel, he really emphasizes that truth. Um, he emphasizes that this one with whom he had lived and walked, he was the word from eternity past that was made flesh. And he goes to great lengths to, to make that known in his gospel. And when he gets to the end, he said, these things that I've written and these signs that I've given to you, his miracles, are to show you that he is uh, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So there's that emphasis in the gospel of John about his divine nature. But sometimes we don't think as much about his humanity, that he indeed was a man. Um, and, and, and so this, too, is a very vital, important truth. And John, as he's writing his first epistle, this is kind of emphasized in this epistle, that Jesus indeed was a man. And uh, the reason it's important is John was writing some 60 years uh, later, he's an older man now, and he's writing about this Jesus to churches probably up in Asia Minor and Christians that have been influenced by false teachers that have crept in. 
And one of the things that is at stake here is that they are saying things concerning Christ and uh, diminishing the idea of his humanity. So we have these false teachers. Sometimes they're referred to as Gnostics. These were, were men that felt that they had this higher knowledge, this, supernat- this, this special knowledge. The word Gnostic is from the word Greek word gnosko, which means knowledge. And we're kind of enlightened And uh, so many of these believers were kind of being affected by this. Here's these these guys that know a lot and seem to have a lot of knowledge, but they're leading them astray. And then there's the docetists. They uh, were also those who were teaching uh, that kind of this conflict between spirit and, uh, and, and flesh, that, that, that by nature, uh, the physical world is evil, and the spirit world is that which is pure and holy, and you can't intermix those two. So it would be wrong to think of the fact that God would become a man, that God wouldn't come and dwell in a human body because it's corrupted and it is, uh, it is bad. In the Geneva Bible, it speaks about this. It says that the Gnostic philosophy insisted that matter is evil, the God being infinite could not become contaminated with the material with material substance and therefore could not become incarnate. Christ must have had only the appearance, the appearance of material flesh. Extreme docetism told uh, or, or held that Jesus was not human and at all uh, he was not human at all, but was merely a prolonged theophany. While moderate docetists uh, consider Jesus the natural son of Joseph and Mary, upon whom Jesus came at the time of his baptism and left before him, um, before he was crucified. And uh, so there was a man named Serentius who was teaching these things. Um, and this was having an effect on the early church, even as all the apostles had died except John. John's now dealing with this, and this became issues in the next centuries as well, and there were various church councils that met to to address uh, these teachings as they would arise in the early church, especially in the 4th and the 5th century. Um, There were three uh, different uh, times in which something like this teaching arose and had to be addressed by the church. But there seems to be this in the first epistle of John. And John, in his writing, is one to, he wants to accent the true humanity of Christ, that this is really vital to our understanding of who Jesus is. We cannot diminish his humanity. He was more than a man, but he was not less than a man. He was full and undiminished deity, but he was also full and undiminished humanity. And so this comes out in John's writing, and this will become a test of if someone really is a true believer or not. This is one of the tests. It's a theological test, a doctrinal text, a test that John will give as he goes through here. And, and, and right from the get-go, when John begins this, and we've already looked at this, John is saying this about this one who has come, that we have heard We have heard him, we have seen him, we have looked upon him, and our hands have handled him concerning he who is the word of life. And this is the one I'm communicating and telling you about. 
he was a true man, and we were with him, and we saw him, we touched him, and, and uh, so this will be something that John will stress. So if you're in 1 John, look at verse 22 of chapter 2. Um, we'll look at these as we go through 1 John. But notice what he says. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. Either he who acknowledges the Son has the Father. And then uh, verse chapter 4, verse 3, again, John addresses this and He says, every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, real flesh, he is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which we have heard was coming and is now already in the world. And so John will touch upon this error that was in uh, seeming to make headway here in the early church. And uh, as we think about the person of Christ, we can err in one of two directions. We can err in his divinity and say that, no, he's just a man. Um, I read that quote this morning by C.S. Lewis, and he says, you know, Jesus indeed was the son of God. He made that claim. And to say that he was just some good man, a moral teacher, um, is to totally deny what Jesus himself revealed about himself. So we can err in that way, but we also can err in the the area of his humanity. Um, And so I thought it would be good for us to just kind of emphasize the humanity of Christ in our Sunday night series here for several weeks. Um, His humanity is real, and it is undiminished humanity, and so it is with the divine nature. So we often refer to Jesus Christ as the theothropic person of Christ, the God-man. He is both God and he is man. And so Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, says, there's one mediator between God and man. Who is it? It is the man, Christ Jesus. All right? So yes, he's God, but Paul emphasizes, yes, he is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus. And the Bible is going to stress both of these, that again, he had perfect humanity, and yes, he was the preexistent son of God. But this is the one we saw. This is the one that we declare to you. And uh, again, I think John is overwhelmed after 60 years having been with Christ, I mean, 60 years later as an old man, he, he's just overjoyed to be able to speak of Christ. We heard him, we saw him, it's still real in the mind of John as he's writing to these believers. And so we will be looking at uh, this tonight. And again, it's important. It's vitally important that we have right views of his person. And this is not a matter of secondary importance. We really must have a right view, not only of his deity, but also of his humanity. There is a person that we believe in, a person that we believe on, And it is the person of Jesus Christ in the fullness of what that name represents, who that person is. Um, But I think also there is much consolation for us to be found in this doctrine. 
practical implications, and we'll be looking at this as we go through. Jesus in Matthew 11 calls us to come and learn of him because he's meek and he is lowly, and it is in him, this meek and lowly one, who's like us, that we will find rest for our souls. Hebrews 4, there the apostle says to us that the Lord Jesus Christ, as he became like us, He's able to sympathize with us. The Son of God became a man, lived among us. He lived life in a fallen world. And yet he did not sin, but he's able to sympathize with us and give help and grace to us in our time of need. So he lived life in our shoes. And there is great consolation to be found in that. And then he's an example for us. As we think about the humanity of Christ, there's a sense in which he lived as a man upon the earth, dependent upon his father. And he was like us in that way. He was tempted. Um, He lived life in in this fallen world. And, And John will say that if we say that we know him, then we ought to walk even as he walked. He was an example for us. So we learn much as we consider who Christ is and his humanity, and and is an example for us. So we follow one who is like us, apart from sin, and is an example for us. Now, in this, as we think about God becoming man, there is there is much mystery here. First um, Timothy, if you want to turn back to First Timothy, chapter three. The apostles are quick to admit this, that there is mystery. First Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels. He was preached among the Gentiles. He believed on He was believed on in the world and received up to glory. But they understood, Paul understand, there's there's mystery here. And there's a lot of discussion that goes on about the the two natures of Christ in this one person. He is God, but he is full humanity. How did these two natures, how were they joined together in Christ? How could Christ be both God and man without having a double personality? How could these two natures be in him without having two minds and two consciences and so forth? What was the exact relationship between the divine nature and the human nature while he was on earth? And what is the exact relation of the human nature to the divine now that he is glorified? Jesus, as he's in heaven, still has a human body. He has a human nature in the presence of God. Well, there's a lot of things here that are mysterious to us. And again, the apostle acknowledges that. Great is the mystery of godliness, that God became a man. And so we we gladly admit that. There are things that we'll never really completely understand uh, about the, the incarnate son of God. But we do know that he has appeared and he's come in a body. He was vindicated by the spirit and uh, he was among us. He was seen by angels, and he was preached among the Gentiles. 
Um, so as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to consider again in this series his full humanity. Um, so I'm just going to list a few things, and I'll see if you guys have some thoughts about this. As we think about the humanity of Christ, he is called by names which imply a human nature. What are some of the terms or the names that are used, ways that show us that, that he indeed was a man? Yeah. Say what? Okay, right. So he had experienced life even as we do. He was the man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Uh, he wasn't some phantom. That's, that's what some of these Gnostic teachers were teaching, that he just appeared to be like a man. That's the word docetic. It is the appearance of. He just appeared to be a man, but he really wasn't a man. All right. How does Matthew begin his gospel? Does anybody know? A genealogy, and it begins with Jesus Christ, who was the son, the son of son of Joseph, and then it goes down through Adam, down or down through Abraham and David. So he was Jesus. He had a name. He had a genealogy, just like we do. All right, and he was a man who had a human nature. He is one that knew sorrow. Any anything else? come to mind as we think about the humanity of Christ. Okay, so John was pointing, look for a man that's coming, right? Okay. Okay, he's... Okay. So he was like a shepherd, like a... Yeah, okay. And that good shepherd would lay down his what? His life. He would lay down his life for his sheep. Was Jesus ever hungry? Yeah. When he was tempted, he had been 40 days without, without food. And he hungered. And we read that in Matthew 4, 2, that when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Obviously, he became hungry, and it says that. Afterward, he was hungry. Was Jesus ever tired? Yeah, we get tired, don't we? And he was so tired, what did he do on the boat in the midst of a storm? He fell asleep. I cannot even imagine that. I could be as tired as I have ever been in my life, but I don't think I could fall asleep on a boat in the midst of a storm. I'd be probably thrown up anyway, but... But he slept. He slept on the ship in the midst of the storm. What else? Okay. Right. So he went through that birth process, being conceived in his mother in a unique way, to be sure, but he was conceived in the womb of Mary, and he was born. What little bit do we know about his early life? We don't have much in the Gospels, but what do we know about that? Luke 2, yeah. He, the, he, the Son of God, who knows all things, became a man, and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. 
but he grew in knowledge. And he even grew in his obedience through the things that he suffered, Hebrews tells us. He learned things through suffering. Um, Did he ever get thirsty? What was one of the sayings on the cross? I, I thirst. What else? Okay, he bled. Put in, they put in, you remember, the spear, and out came blood and water. Um, did he have any human, what we might say, limitations? And I think these are some of them. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Um, did he, as he went to the cross, did he do what we would do as a human? Did he... Just say, well, this is what I'm called to. I'm going to go right to that cross and die. Did he have like feelings like we have? No, he, he in a sense, recoiled from that. And Father, if there is any way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Um, okay. Yeah, he looked out for his mother who's watching him suffer and die. Um, there was that bond there between him and Mary. Um, yeah, and you, yeah, and do you remember what the woman said to him? when he asked of her for a drink. Exactly. She saw the difference between a Jew and a Samaritan, didn't she? This man is a man, and he is a Jewish man. She's a Samaritan. Why would a Jew ask of a Samaritan because of the rift that is there in that culture? Why would a Jew ask of a Samaritan who were looked down upon by by the Jews? Why would this... Jewish man, who is obviously a Jewish man, ask of me a drink, um, but he, he did. And then Jesus asked the question, didn't he, who do men say that I am? So what was the response to that? Some say that you're what? Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Um, and then he said, who do you say that I am? And there's where Peter responds in the glorious way that he did. But he asked that question, who do men say? So they recognized Jesus was a man. They had different understandings about who he was, but they understand that he indeed was a man. So he also suffered and died, as Brian mentioned, that this was only true of someone who would be a true human. Um, So he had every essential characteristic of a human nature apart from sin. When we think about sin, sin is an abnormality to human nature, all right? But he was the perfect man. He was not sinful, but he didn't have to be sinful to partake of human nature. Sin is an abnormality to our human nature. It's not essential to our human nature. So he was made like us. One of the favorite terms that Jesus would use of himself when he would refer to him, a title that would be used of him was, yes, he is the son of man. 
He used this, it's, it's recorded 30 times by Matthew. Mark records it 14 times. Luke records it 26 times. And John records it 11 times. By the way, I made a mistake this morning. Did anybody catch the mistake that I made about the sayings of Christ? I said there were six I am statements. There was, yeah, there, that's true. But there was another one I left out. There actually were seven. I don't remember what that one is. I'm the, I'm, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I totally phased out on that one, so I got a text this afternoon to remind me of that by someone. So I was wondering if anybody else picked up on that. So, But we have all of these statements given by Jesus himself as being the Son of Man. Let me just read a couple of them. Matthew 8.20, Jesus said to, to him, um, Foxes have holes and birds of the air, they have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Matthew eleven nineteen, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, they say, and they and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her children. And then Matthew twenty, I think this one is one that we know very well. The the Son of Man did not come to be what? To be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So This is the Son of Man, true man, and Jesus Christ over and over again makes that point in his his ministry. Uh, Let me read here. This is the Westminster Confession of Faith, and it's similar to the Baptist Confession of Faith. And uh, it says this, The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon man's take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin, being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance. The Lord Jesus Christ was crucified and died and was buried and remained under the power of death, yet saw no corruption. And on the third day he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered, with which also he ascended into heaven and there sitteth at the right hand of his Father. There is one in heaven who is our representative, who is like us, who remains truly man, who is our representative before the Father. Robert Redman, in his uh, common, or his systematic theology, said this, without ceasing to be all that he was and is as the second person of the Holy Trinity, the eternal Son of God, took into union with himself in the one divine person that which he had not possessed before, even <clears throat> a full complex of of human attributes and became fully and truly man for us, for us men and for our salvation. Jesus of Nazareth was and is that God-man. And so as we think about the incarnation, 
Um, it does not diminish his humanity, but this Son of God, in a mysterious, wonderful way, became flesh and was made like unto us. And so as we go forward in the weeks ahead, I hope that we can see the, the benefits, the practical benefits that it is to us to know that he, our elder brother, is the one who knows us. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's our representative. He's one who is not indifferent to us. And so we'll be exploring some of those things. As we close, turn, if you will, to one more passage, Job chapter 9. And here is Job, and we know the story of Job and all the things that he experienced and the difficulties and the losses that he endured. Um, Hard to even comprehend all the things that he did endure. Um, And here here is Job. In light of Eliphaz, who had been making comments to Job, that kind of there's no hope for you. There's no one that can you can call upon who will answer you. And he said this in chapter 5, verse 1, To which of the holy ones will you turn? And here's his longing in the heart of Job. Um, chapter 9, verse 32, for... He speaks of God. He's not a man as I am that I may answer him and that we should go to court together, nor is there any mediator between us who may may lay his hand on us both. Here's this longing of Job, that there would be this one who could, as it were, lay his hand on God and lay his hand upon man and be a mediator, to be a go-between And this is exactly what we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who he is for us. One who is like us, but one who is also clothed with power and glory and able to save us in every way in which we need to be saved. Well, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Father, tonight as we close this service and as we come to the end of this day, we, we marvel again, great is the mystery of godliness, that God would become a man. May we knew, never lose the wonder of that, the glory of that. Help us to know better as much as our finite minds are able to understand this great truth that God became a man. And as we do this series, as we think about the humanity of Christ, Lord, help us to better appreciate that and to to glean from it the comfort, the help that it is meant to have for us. Go with us as we go into this new week. If we say that we abide in Christ, that we ought to walk then even as he walked. So enable us by your spirit that we may do so. And thank you for this day. I pray that it's a means of grace to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you all. Have a a good week.